Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. And while you're here, go ahead and head over to our online platform, thelifeonline.cc, where you'll find content on all kinds of topics like forgiveness, healing, prophecy, faith, and so much more. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc and enjoy today's message. When we were worshiping, I know last week we talked on marriage, and maybe some of you right now are going through relational difficulties. Uh, We have a rule in the Sims household that just goes like this. The first to repent is the bravest. And the first to forgive is the strongest. What is repentance? It's like, you know what? I have been a little prickly this week. Uh, you know what? I have been a little on edge today. You know what? I, I was water hosing you with the word instead of washing you with the word. And if you don't understand what that means, go back and listen to last week's message. Uh, but that's what repentance is. And if you're doing life right, you're repenting often. Uh, repenting does not mean you feel like a terrible person and like I'm no longer good. It just means I'm driving a car and I need to make adjustments. How many of you know I'm teaching my 16-year-old how to drive right now? And how many of you know if you're driving, trying to get somewhere, and you make a decision, I'm not turning this wheel no matter what, uh, you're going to cause yourself pain and some other people's pain. And if you make up your mind, I'm not changing my mind or listening to anybody about anything, you will hurt yourself and you will hurt somebody else. The first to repent is absolutely the bravest. And in, in, in life, we have to have the humility to come and say, you know what? I apologize. And then on the backside of that, you've got to forgive. You've got to let it go. And the first who can let it go and get back into the normal routine of things and get back to that speed uh, is the strongest. And, and if you can get that habit, and, and this doesn't just work for marriage, this is true for any type of relationship that you want to have intimacy with. Uh, that out of that, as you're walking in those things, uh, repenting and forgiving, repenting and forgiving, um, you'll see marriage and everything else get a lot easier uh, when you're willing to navigate that. And that just came up in my heart. So whoever that's for, just take it as for you. Um, I, I want to um, keep this message in this series going on how to stop the pain. I know many of you are familiar with pain. Um, many of you may be going through pain right now. And I want to open up today with the book of Genesis. Uh, so open up your Bibles if you brought them. Uh, if you don't know where Genesis is, welcome to Christianity. Uh, we are glad to have you here with us. And we're going to look at the last chapter in Genesis, Genesis chapter 50 and verse number 20. This is Joseph talking. Uh, If you know Joseph's story, you know Joseph was familiar with pain. His brothers brought a lot of pain into his life, and his brothers brought a lot of pain into his life because his brothers experienced a lot of pain from their father. Um, And father pain, some of the worst type of pain, just from my experience in counseling people, but it's just very dysfunctional. His family was, was dysfunctional, and out of that dysfunction, it hurt a lot of people. Um, It hurt every member of that household, and it hurt Joseph. 
And for around 17 years, Joseph has been dealing with that pain. And because of their decisions over his life, he experienced other pain. Pain in Potiphar's house, pain in a prison. His life went through things that it never would have gone through if his brothers would not have done that. And maybe even some of you today, your life is going through things that it never would have gone through had they not have treated you that way, had they not have made that decision, had they would have not uh, taken your life and treated it so carelessly. Or maybe you've had an event or something happen in your life that because that event happened, now your life is going through pain. At the end of Genesis, we're seeing the the sum cumulation of how Joseph interprets this. And this is my prayer for everyone here today, everyone watching this, everyone at all of our campuses. This is my prayer today is that you could look at your life the same way Joseph saw his. And watch what he says here when he's summing this up in Genesis 50 and verse number 20. As for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God turned that evil you meant against me over into my good. How many of you know we have a God who can take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it around for our good? No matter how big the pain is, no matter how big the struggle is, no matter how hard the life was, we have a God who can take any night and turn it into the brightest day. We have a God who can take the harshest of winters and turn it into the most beautiful springs. We have a God who can take whatever pain is in your life and completely turn it around for your good. That the enemy meant it to crush you, but God God used it to make you stronger and better and sharper as you came out of the fire, not even smelling like smoke. I'm thankful that we have a God who will get in the fire with us. But it seems like to me today, so much of Christianity just wants to stop there, that God will help you get through this, or God will be with you while you're in this. And I'm thankful for a God who will get in the fire with me, but I believe we serve a God who will not only get in the fire with me, but we have a God who can get us out of the fire. And when we're out of the fire, we come out of it not even smelling like smoke, because of his great grace in our life. And if you are going through a dark time right now, or you know someone, or you're watching right now, and you're going through a a dark time in your life right now, I'm telling you what the devil meant to destroy you, God can turn that around and work it together for your good. What do I do when life hurts? I want to talk about five things today. Number one, you have to understand this, life hurts. Uh, It doesn't matter who you are. If you live long enough, you will see that life hurts. I won't ask for a show of hands at any of our campuses, but I guarantee you right now, if I ask for a show of hands and ask how many of you have been devastated by something that has happened in life, you would see at least 70% of the room, if they were being honest, lift their hand. Uh, It comes in the form of death. It comes in the form of betrayal. It comes in the point of failure. 
But each and every one of us will have a moment where we understand life hurts. I find this very interesting, even in in Jesus' story. You see uh, this moment where uh, Mary is holding her, her son, the Savior of the world, our Lord and Savior Jesus, and she's having this moment where she walks into a temple and all these people come around her and begin to prophesy about the glory that will come out of his life. Uh, But in the middle of this, they tell her something, and I want you to watch what they say here in the book of Luke. And Simeon blessed them and said, Mary, his mother, behold, this child appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed, and a sword will pierce even your own soul. Um, That a part of the work of the Spirit in this moment is to show Mary that there will be a time in your life, and we know this when it was the crucifixion, where Mary had to watch all of these things happen to her son, that the Lord was showing her there's a time in your life where your life will undergo pain. And when it goes through pain, it will be like a sword that is piercing your soul. And pain uh, was not spared in the life of Mary, and pain will not be spared in our lives. Uh, Life will happen to each and every one of us, and when it does happen, it hurts. Which brings me to point number two. We must be taught how to deal with pain. And unfortunately, we go to schools and we learn math, and we learn English and how to write papers, um, we, we have events like my daughter just competed and won first place, I might add, at a science Olympiad competition, uh, building an airplane, little humble brag on my child. Uh, but out of that, uh, we have uh, programs that teach kids how to build airplanes like these paper. We, we have all these things that teach our children soccer and football and all of these things. But we grow up and no one teaches us how to deal with pain. And this is bad because, and my next note for those of you who are taking notes, is when you hurt in your body, it heals on its own. Uh, If you get a cut, if you get a wound or bruise, it will begin to heal on its own. Your physical body has the potential to heal um, just through what God put in it. But when you hurt in your heart, It doesn't heal until you're willing to bring it into the light. And when you go through things in life that hurts you, if you do not intentionally deal with that pain, that pain does not go away. Time heals nothing. We live with this myth that time heals all things. I have pastored now for 20 years. I have sat with grown men in my office crying over what happened 30 years ago. If I do not learn how to handle my pain that happens in my heart, it does not magically go away. I have to be taught on how to handle that pain and how to bring that pain into the light. And the reason why this is so important is point number three, pain that doesn't heal grows toxic. If you do not heal your pain, it grows toxic in your soul. Uh, The book of of Hebrews uh, gives us this scripture in Hebrews 12 and verse 15. See to it 
Now, notice this. Here's a command. How many of you know God's never given a suggestion a day in his life? We give suggestions all the time. God only commands. See to it that no one, no one means me and you. See to it, the referred subject is you. Uh, Come short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it, not the event, but the event that caused bitterness in your heart, it, not the event, but the bitterness from the event defiles you. That word defiles means poison. If you go through something in your life that is painful, the enemy is there. He is there at every rejection. He is there at every, every moment in your life that ever happened to you that caused sorrow or anger. The enemy is there. And we are, are ignorant many times of his devices, that his pathway into our life is often pain. That the way the enemy attacks our hearts and our minds is something in our life causes pain, and through that pain, he gets in. And when he gets in, bitterness begins to sit in our souls, it begins to sit in our lives, the pain of that event, the sorrow of the world begins to work death, anger turns into wrath, and all of these things begin to come out of us. Uh, And we notice these things uh, in the lives of others, but so oftentimes we don't see when it's happening in our own lives. Here's a rule that I've seen in pastoring. Bad behavior equals pain. When you see bad, God sees hurt. Um, That we look at people's bad behavior, and it could be drinking, it could be addiction, um, it could be all types of things happening in relationships that are negative. It could be going back to the same thing that causes pain, living in the darkness, living in the shadows. When you see bad behavior, every time when you dive into their story, you see hidden pain. There is something there. There's a pain that happened in their life that is going untreated. And because that pain is going untreated, because no one ever taught them how to handle it, in fact, we live in a culture that wants people to hide their pain, um, that when they go through pain, it turns toxic, and it begins to manifest in all kinds of ways. This is so silly. Well, it wasn't silly to me at the time, but I I had this come up in my heart to share, and I guess I shouldn't say it was silly, because maybe some of you are kind of here, but like when I was a teenager... Uh, My mom made a decision, and she got this in prayer, and I'll just say, I can't debate with her because it seemed to turn out okay, but not just, well, I hope I turned out more than okay, but anyway, uh, she made a decision to take me out of all athletics in sixth grade. Uh, Now, her logic was, she got this in prayer, that there was a prophecy that came out over my life in a meeting that I would be hidden in the cleft of a rock and that because of the work God had for me, I need to be, I need it to be hidden and that my spouse would be too. And sure enough, like in both of our stories, me and my wife, we were hidden in that way. 
And so my mom came and she said, um, you know, this is what's in my heart. No more athletics for you. And I, I was not, in case you couldn't tell, the most athletic person in the world. But I was good enough to be on the team. And out of that, intimacy is always available when you share something in common. And so for all of my friends, my friends were on these athletic teams and I couldn't be them anymore. And all of a sudden they have something that they're sharing with each other that I don't have with them anymore. And they're sitting, you know, talking about, man, football practice was so hard. And I'm like, what about English class? How about those adverbs? Uh, and all of those kinds of things. And uh, now they're sharing things that I don't share. And I'm noticing my social connections begin to deteriorate. And I'm at school and it's like, I'm not this and I'm not this, 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 all these types of things. And I felt rejected. The pain of not fitting in, finding a crowd, that type of thing. And we took a youth trip. And it's amazing how some of these things stick with you. But we took a youth trip. I was part of the youth group here at the church. We took a youth trip and... Um, you know, we're there on the beach, and it was a summer camp type of thing. And, you know, they're taking photos for the, um, um, you know, newsletter that they're sending out to parents and that kind of thing. It's before email. Um, you know, that kind of thing, just getting photos, piecing it together. And I was on the, the beach with some, some people who were my age. And um, they're taking this photo, youth leaders who, you know, are older than us. And one of them tells the guy who's taking the photo, they're like, zoom in. And he's like, no. And he's like, zoom in and we'll get a better picture. He said, I can't zoom in. One of these things is not like the other. And I knew what he meant by that. I knew he was talking about me. That I didn't look like them physically in terms of how in shape I was. And then also they were tan and I was paler and that type of thing. A little fluffy. Uh, and, and out of that, uh, I picked up on that. One of these things is not like the other. And I can remember in that moment, everything within me wanted to punch him. That's the truth. Because he put into words what the enemy had put in my heart. I don't belong. I'm not like them. They have all this in common. I have nothing in common. And so I began to act out. And in acting out, it's to get attention. It's to fit in. And I began, and I won't tell you the stupid stuff I did, because I know I have teenagers here who are listening, including my own. And out of this, I don't want anybody to get any ideas. But I began to do things to get attention, to fit in, to be like, oh, look at him, like that type of thing, to try to find um, people find acceptance. And so if you'd have seen me with bad behavior, you would see the bad behavior, but you wouldn't see the pain behind it. Like it's, it's easy to look at Naomi after, you know, she's like, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara and be like, what's up with you? Like your bad attitude about all these things, you're just constantly negative and you're constantly complaining. You got Ruth out there taking care of you. What is wrong with you? And if you just saw her behavior, but you didn't see the pain 
of her husband dying and both of her sons dying, you would see her bad behavior and be like, I can't believe the bad attitude Naomi is having. Like, she won't even let us call her Naomi anymore. But you won't understand her behavior until you understand her pain. And you can go throughout this, whether it's, it's David, the pain of being rejected by a father, Literally every other son brought in and that developed uh, a need for David with connection. And you see in his life, multiple relationships that were bad with the opposite sex, having tons of concubines and tons of wives. And out of this, it never being enough. And then that own pain he introduced into the lives of his sons. His sons, he was not close to. His sons had a lot of pain caused in there. Where did that pain come? You would look at David and be like, Absalom has been left out in a field for two years. Go call him in. He didn't know how to be a father. You would look at David's actions and and be like, what is wrong with you? And they were. They made him bring him in, finally. And you would look at that and be like, David, what is wrong with you? And if you look at David's actions you would see that in his life, he, he, he never had a father figure. And every father figure he had, um, for, for Solomon, um, who was his son, but for Samuel, uh, he died. For Saul, he went crazy and tried to throw a spear at him. For Jesse, he forgot he even had David out in the field. And so if you look past David's behavior, you could see David's pain. And throughout all all of these people in Scripture, you can see the pain behind the behavior. But in our own lives, so oftentimes, we just see even ourselves acting a certain way. And we're asking, what is wrong with me? And I'll tell you what's wrong with you. There's pain somewhere. And until you address, address that pain in your spouse or that pain in yourself, the bad behavior will not stop. Because wherever there is bad behavior, there is always hidden pain. And until that pain comes into the light, the bad behavior will continue every single time. If you see bad behavior in your children, don't just think they're being dumb. There is some pain that is going on in their lives. Point number four. When we do not heal our pain properly, we turn into a medicator, a motivator, or meditator. If you don't heal your pain properly, I've seen pain morph into three things, and that is where people medicate or try to numb the pain, motivate, try to work past the pain. I'm okay. I'm not hurting. Just work past it. Ignore it. Put the head in the sand and just keep pressing on. We'll be okay. Just run right past it, because if I slow down, the ghosts catch up. Or a meditator, they just stew on it. That's all they think about. They become obsessed with the the event that happened in her life. That's what happened to Naomi. She obsessed and meditated on her pain, and it began to poison her present because she kept thinking about the past. Uh, When, and next screen, when we turn into a medicator, that equals addiction. I've got pain in my life. I don't want to feel it. So what's the quickest way to get out of this pain? Ah, food. Oh, you know, I'll do this with my body. Oh, drugs. 
oh, an inappropriate relationship and the endorphins that, the endorphins from an inappropriate relationship, I just read a study this past week, it it raises your your mind, uh, the endorphins in your mind, higher than even a hit of cocaine. And all of these types of things, addiction is driven from pain. In fact, in almost every addiction program, the first thing they say is tell your secrets. What is it that you don't want people to know? Because behind all addiction, there is pain that is trying to be medicated. I don't want to feel this. The problem is, is we know that addiction does not heal pain. Addiction numbs the pain while it's creating more. And so I can't numb my pain. I've got to heal my pain. And how many of you know we have a God who will not numb your pain? We have a God who will fix your pain and take away the need for the medication. Motivator, avoidance. I want to avoid the pain. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to look at it. Everything's okay. Nothing to see here. Smile and wave. Fake the perfect life. I'm okay, we're okay, this is okay, let's not look at it, let's not notice it, let's just press past it. I was listening to a pastor talk about this, and he was, I'm a motivator, that's what I I typically do with with my pain, is I'm motivated. It's like, I'm okay, Uh, you know, all those types of things. Uh, So with this, you just work past it. And he was talking about in his life that all growing up, he had a very dysfunctional childhood, but out of that found Jesus. Uh, His grace was unlocked with a position and the position uh, was pastoring this church. He had an opportunity to pastor it and it began to grow because of the the grace and the gift on his life. Uh, But out of that, he was not fully healed from the pain before and it introduced so much stress. There is, a, there is, like, I hear pastors talk, and I'm like, I know people. This job is not harder than other people's job. It's like, you know, anyway, I won't go there. But some, sometimes the way I hear ministers talk, I'm like, it's not like we have the hardest jobs in the world. Um, but one unique thing about it, that if you don't understand this when you're in it, is that like right now, my performance is being evaluated by a lot of people. <laughs> and sometimes you sleep. And sometimes you're counting ceiling lights. Uh, and all of these other types of things. And it's hard not to take that personal. <laughs> or when people leave a church, it's hard not to take that personal. Um, and all of those kinds of things. And so a lot of times, if you don't know how to deal with that, I know how to deal with it, I think, better than others because it's all I know. My father was a pastor. My uncle was a pastor. That's all I've seen for 39 years. Uh, so out of that, um, I, I, I don't think it bothers me as much as it does some, but it can create a lot of stress. Just ask it. One of the biggest fears people have is public speaking. And it's that way for a reason. So it can cause a lot of stress. And then not only that, in this position, uh, you're processing a lot of people's pain. And they want you and to, to fix it. And you know you can't without the help of the Holy Spirit. And so it's, it's trying to stay spiritually sharp enough to be able to help them. And he's feeling this. And for the first time in his life, he said, I was sick all the time, like physically sick. My body was breaking down. And he said, one of the things that happened was I had lockjaw. 
like my jaw, I was grinding my teeth so much at night uh, that uh, I couldn't open my mouth even to get food in. My jaw just hurt so bad. And he said it got to this place where it was like you couldn't think about anything else. The pain was so real. But he said, um, we were at a minister's conference. A buddy of mine said, let's go to this minister's conference in Dallas. And the minister was um, a man by the name of John Wimber, uh, was up teaching and preaching. And he operated in healing a good bit in his ministry. And this minister was sitting in the, the crowd. And out of that, he said, in his mind, he's thinking, Lord, I can't listen to anything this man is saying because of the pain I'm in with my jaw. And he said, have this minister call out jaw issues. That there's somebody here with jaw issues because I need healing. And he said, sure enough, by the end of the service, this minister said, there's a pastor here with jaw issues. Who is that? And he lifted his hand and he said, come here. So he brought him down to the, the altar, laid hands on him. Healing comes through the laying on of hands, which I think is awesome because so much of our pain comes through other people's hands. That would only be, you know, awesome of God to redeem it by bringing healing through hands. Um, so out of that, he calls him down and he lays hands on him, speaks healing over him. And he's like, you feel better? And he said, I gave him courtesy and said, yes. But he said, when he laid hands on me, it's like all these crazy thoughts started coming into my mind. But the pain in my jaw had not left. And so he goes back to his, his seat and the minister friend who brought him, he's like, do you feel healed? He's like, no. He's like, I feel worse. Not only do I have pain in my jaw, but I've got these crazy thoughts in my head. And so they go to dinner and, you know, the meeting in around six. And so they went to dinner and he's talking to him because he can't even open his mouth to get food in. His jaw's hurting so bad. And he's like, what are the crazy thoughts? He's like, I don't even want to talk about it. They're just so crazy. He said, what are the crazy thoughts? He's like, it's about my childhood. And he said, and you weren't thinking about it before he laid hands on me or, or on you? He's like, no. He's like, but it's all I can think about now. He's like, well, what is it? He's like, nah, you don't want to hear it. He's like, tell me the story. What is it? He said, when I was a kid, uh, there was a time where I was taking out the trash. He said, we didn't have trash bags. My mom would line a porcelain can with newspaper. And it would get filled, and then us boys would have to take it out. And his dad was just a big kind of burly man and really didn't know how to, to father. And from that caused a lot of pain in the family. And um, his mom is cooking dinner, sees the trash can full, and calls this minister over to take out the trash. And he looks at it, and he says, Mom, it's too full, because there was all this slimy stuff on the top. And she said, Boy, take out the trash. And so he said he picked it up, and his dad was sitting here. It was a smaller house sitting here. And he said his dad had a size 15 shoe. His dad was a big man. 
And he said, I, I picked that trash can up, and when I turned, I hit his, his foot with my foot, and I stumbled, and the slimy stuff that was on top went on his shoes. And he said, my dad got up out of that chair, and he kicked me. And when my brothers saw it, they all started laughing at me. And so he said, I didn't know what to do. I tried to pick up what I could, get it back in the, the trash can. And I, I took it outside, and he said, I just stood outside and just held the can, crying. I didn't, I'd never been kicked before, he said. And then to be humiliated at the same time, no sympathy, no love, no are you okay, no apology. He said, I just see myself out in that, that alleyway crying with this trash can. And this minister said, who's across from me, he said, I think Jesus wants your trash can. He said that night they were driving home and he said the whole time this, this image just kept coming up in his head. But he said when he got back to the hotel room, he, he lies down on the bed and he closes his eyes and he sees Jesus standing there in that alleyway with him. And he's asking for that trash can. So he said, I got out of bed. And when I got out of bed, though, it was still there. That's all I could see is me holding this trash can. And he said, it, it, it messed with me so much, I backed up. And he said, I hit the, the, the little thing behind me on the wall. And he said, when I did, armor came on me. And then he said, I stepped back from it and took my trash can back. And the armor left me. And he said, Jesus was trying to show me that if I'll let him have that trash can, that there would be an armor on me, that that event would not hurt me any longer. And so he said, after about 50 times of backing up and seeing that change in my mind, I made a decision to let Jesus have my trash can. And he said, I, I went to bed and I woke up that morning, had no more pain anywhere in my body. Life hurts. And some of you have had things happen to you that have been so unfair. But Jesus, he is a healer. And there is nothing in your life he cannot heal. I don't care if it's a divorce. I don't care if it's you've been walked out on. I don't care if you've gone through a death in your family, been diagnosed with a disease, been overcome with rejection, trying to find acceptance. Jesus is a healer. And the way he heals is this, my final point, number five. Pain will never heal until I step into the light, take responsibility, forgive who and what hurt me, and let what happened be a blessing to me. If you will follow these steps, 
you will see freedom. What do I mean by step into the light? When Adam had pain in his life, his instinct was fear and shame. Don't let anybody see it. Don't let Eve see it. Don't let God see it. Don't let anybody see it. I'll ignore it. I'll act like I'm not hurting. I'll act like everything is okay. I'll act like I didn't sin. I'll act like nothing happened. Just, you know, smile and wave. We're okay. It's okay. Everything's okay. Move on. Uh, Adam did not want to step into the light. And when he did step into the light, he wanted to cover up his nakedness, cover up his shame. And if you are going to be healed, you have to step into the light and allow God to cover you with his grace. Which means you can't be afraid of what your addiction has caused. You can't be afraid of being rejected if you show people your addiction. You can't be afraid to stop motivator and look at the pain that's going on in your life. And you can't be afraid, Naomi, to look and say, you have stewed on this pain so long that you have brought past pain into a present season. You must step into the light and you must admit, I've got a problem. It's not okay. I've got something in my life that needs to be healed. I've got something in my life that needs to be surrendered. I'm still holding my trash can. And I need to let this go. I must step into the light. Number two, I must take responsibility. And somebody says, what do you mean by take responsibility? I mean Naomi realizing uh, that I can't control what happened to me, but I can always control my response to it. And my response to what happened to me matters more than what happened to me. And I don't care what your pain is today at any of our locations, I guarantee you I can take five people in this room and find somebody who went through the similar type of pain. I can find people whose fathers passed away. I can find people whose friends rejected them. I can find people who dealt with suicidal thoughts. I can find people who've wrestled with drug addiction, with alcohol addictions. I can find people, I can show you people right now who have been abused by their father. And it breaks her heart. And it's not fair and it's not right. But your response to what happened to you matters more than what happens to you. Because I can show, people, show you people who went through exactly what you went through. And came out of it healed. And came out of it restored. And came out of it with God picking up the pieces of their broken life. And if you will take responsibility for your action, then you can't control their action, you can't control that event, but if, if you're like Adam and Eve and you blame someone else, then till that thing or that person changes, you will still be in pain. You can't blame other people. I can't focus on what, 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 what things have happened to me or things that are out of my control. I can only control how I respond to it. And if you'll make a decision that says, I know that there are some things I could do right now in my life with the grace of God that would take my life forward, you've got to begin to take responsibility for those things. Number three, I've got to forgive anyone and anything that hurt me. I've got to forgive anyone and anything that hurt me. I've got to forgive anyone and anything that hurt me. I've got to forgive anyone and anything who hurt me. As long as you don't forgive it, it still has power over your life. 
As long as you don't forgive them, it still has power over your life. As long as you don't forgive it, because sometimes it isn't it. It's not of them. It's, it's for me, when my father passed away, no one did anything wrong. It's just life got hard and it got unfair. And I, I held that moment in my life for so long as if you didn't happen to me, how different would my life be? If that didn't happen to me, how different would I be? And I had to learn how to forgive that event. I had to learn how to move away from that. I had to learn to see the thief in the story. I had to learn to see in that moment that that moment will not keep me a prisoner for the rest of my life. And you have heard me say this for years. If you use your pain, you will never lose your pain. If you use your pain as the reason as to why you're acting the way you're acting, you will never lose the pain. If you use it, you will never lose it. But if you will stop using it as the reason why you're acting the way you're acting and forgive it, the pain of the past will fall beneath your feet. And lastly, until you can learn to bless it, you'll never be healed of it. Until you can bless it, you'll never be healed of it. Until you can bless it, you'll never be healed of it. There's a reason why God told you to bless your enemies. He said, bless your enemies. He said, count it all joy when you go through tests and trials. The trying of your faith is doing what? It's working something in you. And I can look back at my pains and I can see that some of those things were the worst things that happened to me. But you know why I'm free from them? Because I've seen some of those things were the best things that happened to me too. That out of those pain, I found God. Out of that pain, I found a relationship with him. Out of that pain, I found I could make it through anything. Out of that pain, I found a God who could restore, a God who could redeem, a God who could pick me up, a God that could have me go through what I go through and still have breath in my my lungs, vision in my heart, a spring in my step. That out of that, it was a fire that refined me and I came out better. I learned how to forgive. I learned how to be honest. I learned how to be open. I learned how to share with people how I was really feeling. I learned the power of accountability. I learned these things. And when you can look back at the events that what's caused you pain and say, no longer will you cause me pain, you, you actually turned into something that made me stronger. You actually turned into something that paved the way for me to see and ask about God and myself that I did not see before. You will be healed from that pain. But we have to be willing to step into the light, find accountability, stop hiding from God, stop hiding from others. We have to be willing that when we step into the light, that we take responsibility. I'm I'm not going to blame anybody or anything any longer. I'm taking responsibility for my life. I've got to learn how to forgive anything and anyone who hurt me. I've got to learn that as long as I don't forgive it, it still has power over me. And I've got to learn to take the weights that have been handed to me and use them in my life to make me stronger and better and more equipped. Where it's not life getting easier, it is us getting stronger. And when we get stronger, life gets a whole lot easier. And the way I get stronger is by realizing I can do all of these things through Christ who strengthens me.
And so word of life all over the building, let me pray for you before we end. And of course, we'll end in worship. Just have a moment of the spirit and healing. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that you are the great healer. And there is nothing in any of our lives that you cannot fix, that you cannot heal. And Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, you are binding up the wounds of the brokenhearted. You are coming into the lives of those who have been wounded, the lives of those who have been forgotten, the lives of those who have been stepped over, the lives of those who have been neglected, the the lives of those who have been defeated. And we thank you, it is not by might and it is not by power, but by the power of your Holy Spirit. They are being quickened back to life. Father, we thank you. It's a brand new day in the lives of those who are hurting. That, Father, you are giving them the courage to walk away from their pain. That, Father, Jesus is here in the lives of those who are in pain. And you are working in their lives to get them to hand over anything they need to hand over. And to take their pain into the light. Father, we love you so much. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name.